0: Paul was trying to get uh, Jonathan on the mics last night to record a little something, and uh, he wasn't available. So, well, I could just do it, and I could just do my Jonathan impersonation. Which is, so I was playing my Magic the Gathering cards, and I had to take a crap, so I
1: masturbated. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect.
0: with Aaron, Polly, Tim Wayne and Andrew. I'm Aaron.
2: I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. And I'm Andrew. Howdy, howdy, howdy.
3: Hey guys. So, you'd think otherwise, but I hate April Fools' Day with a passion.
2: Are you one of those really grumpy people who complain about it all day long? I Did am. somebody I'm... get you really good?
3: Oh. No. But it bugs me cuz everyone tries. And I'm like, don't try to fool me. I know you're full of shit today. Everyone's full of shit today. And so you've got websites that are like serious 364 days a year. And on April Fool's Day, they start printing fake stories that everyone gets excited about. And they're like, hey, April Fool's. Like, I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday. And I feel – and I I should say something about this. We received um, a press release from Image Comics yesterday. And it said – must post April 1st 2011 and it's a picture of Invincible and it says Invincible 2012 and it shows uh, Invincible as a black guy and I'm like I don't want to post a fake story I just I, I hate fake stories so comic books then
4: yeah <laughs> so, I have so I think what, what he's I think what he's trying to say is that people that play April's Fool's Day jokes are jackasses Andrew yeah I'm just saying,
2: this, this is what I'm saying. I was amazed at the amount of, of hate towards April Fool's Day I saw on my Twitter feed yesterday. I mean, yeah, everyone tries to be funny. It's April Fool's Day. Everybody tries to have a little prank, a little joke. It's all in good humor. Why do you have to hate on that? Now, I can understand that way to publish. I mean, you don't have to do it. You don't have to participate. So it's okay not to publish this image article. But why hate on everybody else? I
3: don't so hate I everybody
5: had, else. But I had something backfire yesterday because it was April Fool's Day. So Mikey Mason, the uh, the comedian we talk about quite often on here, posted a link to his brand new video that he had just released. So I see this link while I'm at work. I can't click on YouTube. I can't get there. I assume it really is his brand new video. So somewhere else, I'm posting a link. I'm thinking, you know, instead of Rick rolling, I'm going to Mikey roll someone. So I take his link. I throw it in. I redirect him over there. Turns out Mikey's link was a Rickroll. <laughs> so nice. by proxy, I rickrolled people without ever intending to yesterday.
2: That is that is funny. I mean, I I don't do any April Fools' jokes myself, but uh-huh. I, I did enjoy some of the other ones that were that were out there on the internet yesterday, uh-huh. and and on NPR. It it, it seemed what uh, you know Tim was calling you out for something there. I'm uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure I don't know what he's talking about. Uh-huh.
4: Uh-huh. No, no, he doesn't. All right then, All I right. just
3: don't like April Fool's Day I, mean, I, just, I don't know why because I like practical jokes I just don't like them on April Fool's Day
2: It's like those people who complain on Christmas oh, I have to open presents again what the fuck <laughs> I
3: just opened Jesus. presents last Christmas
0: You know NPR does a, an April Fool's Day joke every year and I think my favorite that they have ever done was they did this whole piece on how Russia was looking to buy a city in Arizona <laughs> and, I mean, it was just this perfect story, and, I mean, it just – it sounded so authentic. And you're going, this is crazy. And they're, oh, yeah, you know, Russia's really looking to buy this small town in Arizona. And uh, you, you <laughs> at the very end, they said, well, why do you think well, – why this city? You know, why this state? Well, you know, Russia's always wanted a warm water port.
1: <laughs> 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 just to- <laughs> So
2: that's good. The one, they had I, yesterday was, okay. the one they had yesterday was not quite as good. But and
0: uh, I, I did not but, hear the one yesterday, though. I saw a lot of Twitter rage about it. What was the one yesterday?
2: Well, the one I heard in the afternoon was the one about how advertisers are now perfecting ways to advertise through the food you eat. Like you grill up a burger and as it's grilling up, and the temperature at a certain point, bacteria start producing this dye. And so you'll get like a cube, a special code for a coupon for, you know, whatever, you know, oh, that's great. Dogs that you can go put into the computer and like you know you have you have ice cream you take a bite and the heat from your mouth has this code form and like a picture of the you know mr popsicle man or whatever
5: if it could show a superhero face i would totally buy that
0: <laughs> see target demographic
2: <laughs> <laughs> well they even had this little kid on talking about it because it was like this uh, research family where they do marketing and they were testing it and so it's like is mr pickle waving at me because there's just like the little pickle guy waving at him from the top
5: of his burger. How they, cool would it be to make s'mores with a human torch marshmallow? Because you gotta light that thing entirely on fire. That's the way it works.
0: They they had one one year where uh, they had the scientist on and he was talking about how they had finally developed a a uh, technology that would translate what dogs are trying to communicate. Yeah. And you know so it was like 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 almost like a bark collar you know. And you, you would hear them testing it. As, rusty, Rusty, right and truck. Rusty, <laughs> right and truck. Rusty, not bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> I always have known that if I, if I had a similar technology from for, for my dogs, you know, it'd be hey bald fucker.
2: <laughs> and, yet, and yet some people don't like these april fool stories it boggles, it boggles my mind
3: Yeah, Paul. well it's Paul. funny to talk about them later but it's not funny while they're happening i guess
5: <laughs> i think it's just overload you spend all day any real news story that comes in you don't know if it's real or not and you just assume everything's fake and then you find out a couple of days later what was real and what wasn't.
0: Well, it's like that Backseat Box Office news that came out yesterday. You didn't know if that was real or not.
2: Oh, no, that's for reals. That's for reals. Yeah, that's for reals. What was yeah.
3: reals? I missed the news.
2: Uh, well, I, I guess like, I can tell you real quick. It's April now, technically, so so I can tell you about it. Uh, so, you know, we, we on Backseat Box Office link to uh, – Box office Mojo referred to it a lot. Box office Mojo was part of the IMDB family of of sites and whatnot. And so it is one of my but,
5: favorite movie sites ever.
2: Right. so they approached us and uh, asked if they they if we wanted to kind of be affiliated with them the, the IMD family of stuff. and so we talked about it for a while and so uh, we kind of joined on with them so we're gonna kind of have to re-ramp the site. There're going to be some ads, but but we're getting paid now is the important thing. Holy shit, Aaron. Yeah, so they're sending us – I mean, it's not a lot of money, but we're gonna get like a little monthly check. They're going to post this on their feed on Box Office Mojo, so our hit should should jump way up.
3: Why the fuck hasn't this happened to us? Let's talk <laughs> about movies. Fuck the comics this week.
0: Because we're not colossal <laughs> sellouts like Andrew and Tony Mast.
2: Just because no one's offered. And Jonathan Holmberg. Well, yeah, you know,
0: pimp, pimp of the internet, <laughs> horrors of the internet, I say. whores. <laughs> That's
2: right, whores. You know, so we, we always joke about the podcasting paycheck? Uh-huh. yeah, Actually getting one. Yeah. For real. You, en-
4: you enjoy your $2 annual, jack, jackass.
2: Or it could have been a big April Fool's joke, Paul. Maybe. <laughs> and thus the rage.
4: <laughs> <laughs> wonder. Paul, are you... what is what is
0: great is that he goes in twice (laughs) (laughs) i hate april fools i hate april fools prank
4: (laughs) (laughs) that was all one big setup
1: paul (laughs) (laughs)
4: You know, the best part is we work together and nobody even talked about this. Before
0: <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> this is teamwork. This is why we can fight crime.
2: Yeah. So after the credits of the episode uh, that we record this on dropped on Friday, luckily, uh, we, we say April Fool's. But then we encourage people to play along on the Internet. And so it was it was pretty entertaining yesterday
4: until Aaron calls you out and spoils it.
2: <laughs> uh, by the time this drops, it'll be it'll run its cycle.
4: It'll be it'll be, it'll be completely spoiled, like throw it out of your refrigerator.
2: Yeah, it'll be on scopes by then.
4: Speaking of stuff you'd probably want to throw out of your refrigerator, free comic book day is coming up here. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: that is my second favorite day of the uh, year. Tell <laughs> us how
5: you really feel about it, Tim.
4: Oh, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at this list of comics. I'm like, I don't. You see know, two I want. There are a few
0: decent books in there, like the Amazing Spider-Man book, which is going to be by Dan Slott. Um, So, uh, you know, that's all original story. Um, I'm wondering if Mouse Guard is going to be original story like it was last year. I believe it is. I saw – I saw him drawing a blank on his name all of a sudden.
2: Um, That one guy.
0: What's his name, Paul? Dave? Dave Peterson? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him talking on on Skype about it, and I think it's new. Um, So I'm interested in that. I'll – the Flashpoint book that they're going to offer on Free Comic Book Day will probably be the only Flashpoint book I pick up uh, in that run. Here. Um, but, you know, Atomic Robo is always yeah. good on Free Comic Book Day. And hey, Baltimore Crim- uh, Criminal Macabre uh, from Dark Horse will be out. So there are one or two things. But the thing that I'm noticing, like, you know, the, the, they've got the Captain America Thor book. The thing I'm noticing is that there's not a whole lot of, of really interesting off-the-wall stuff. This all seems pretty safe. You know?
2: I think you're overlooking super dinosaur origins, Aaron. True, true.
3: And deadliest sharks and prehistoric predators. Oh. Uh, the The misadventures of Adam West from Blue Water Comics. You know Ron Mars is going to pick that one up.
5: Civil War Adventures. Nothing says high-flying action like bloody horrible war.
0: I think the, the one gangeries. that I, I am the most interested in, though,
1: is <laughs> Elric
0: balance
3: lost that looks
4: you know, pretty I, cool. that did look cool you
3: know this jake the dreaming thing which is also from radical i guess uh the other one the one you just mentioned Elric is from radical also but jake the dreaming looks pretty pretty cool too
0: i feel like every time we mention radical comics we've got to say
3: radical <laughs> Woo! i'll leave that up to you how about that <laughs> yeah how about you put that on your on board. <laughs> so basically, we've already listed more than two. So, <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, but Tim's a curmudgeon. He's a little picky, and he's not on board for all of these good comics.
4: Well, I mean, I, I saw when I once I saw Elric, I'm like, okay, I got my two now. So, all right, I got uh, but,
3: two. Oh, geez. But does that mean it's, you're not going to get the Kung Fu Panda Richie Rich flip book? <laughs>
4: Not in any of the multiverses will there be a Tim that buys that book, that gets that
1: book.
4: Richie Rich. Richie Rich, indeed. You made fun of me when I got Casper and
3: you are like, are you going to pick up the Richie Rich comic book, too? Well, uh, now I can. That will be a waste of your zero dollars, Paul. I'm just going to let you (laughs) know right now. A waste of my wife's time to come into the comic shop (laughs) and pick up Richie Rich. That'll oh, be a
2: waste God. of your six minutes that you spend. She'll be like, reading.
4: wait till I get home, put that chicken costume on and beat your ass for making me pick up and <laughs> Kung Fu Panda, for Christ's sakes, Paul.
0: <laughs> now, you know, Free Comic Book Day is May 7th. And while Free Comic Book Day is awfully cool, it is eclipsed by the wonder and the majesty that is Free Funny Book Day. On May ninth,
3: ooh, are we doing that this year? We are doing that this year. Oh yeah! I, I Look at Aaron we... putting me on the spot on the mics. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> can't wait!
3: Woo! <laughs> <laughs> can't wait! Win Shadowland, all of it. <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs> I, thought we re- I thought we, rebranded this, Aaron, to shit for my basement too.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: the Mighty Avengers tie-ins for Siege. Woo! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and,
0: and and despite how Paul is just cleaning out his refrigerator, <laughs> I will actually be giving away cool stuff. So uh,
3: I will too. I've I've actually got uh, some Witchblade trades from uh, Oh yeah, from Top Cow. Some Darkness stuff. Uh, actually, a bunch of stuff from Top Cow. So plenty of good stuff. Not just the shit from my basement, but you know, someone wants Shadowland. I'm sure. Me. You know. <laughs> See, <laughs> could you just
0: go ahead and ship it to uh, to Andrew and just save ourselves the trouble? No.
4: Line, I should have brought it to St. Louis. No, and readers don't don't hold your breath. You you couldn't pry Galactus out of Aaron's dead cold hands. Yeah, Galactus true.
0: ain't leaving. I've told Galactus nobody gets out of this relationship alive.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then he popped off one of his fingers just to make the point. <laughs>
4: I just have this picture.
0: You ever see that movie Boxing Helena, you know, where he cuts her <laughs> legs and arms off and keeps her under the yeah. bed? That's kind of what yeah. I do with Galactus. He's not going anywhere.
4: Yeah. Oh. Does, Galact- does Galactus get a little, little glass of scotch when you read your comics out on, out on, on the porch, too?
2: He, he does, and a cigar.
4: Yeah, that that's and, awesome.
2: Does he usually not drink his, so you have to finish it for him?
4: Well, you know, he's he, he,
2: he
0: can't drink as, as much as I can, so yeah, sometimes I have to help him out there.
2: Well, I know he's getting a little old. He's got that little stomach, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. Going right. on. So yeah, it makes sense. got the little IBS. Yeah. That's right.
4: Yeah. Every once in a while, it. you drop a Pluto. <laughs> <I'm gone. laughs> <I'm
5: gone. laughs> he only eats planets. Ooh. Oh,
3: but he Was it a solar system blast, Wayne? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yes, I made mean, a Pluto is not a planet joke. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god, E-comer. I didn't get it.
3: Sorry. <laughs> uh. Took me a minute.
4: Uh. Okay, well let's talk
0: lo- about something else that uh that uh, well I get I, that Wayne didn't get, I guess, which is Amazing <laughs> Spider Man six fifty seven.
3: Did Galactus cry when he read it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did. He was quite touched by this one.
3: That was because of the bad art, that's why he was crying. Because you were touching him. <laughs> Down there, under his skirt. <laughs> we need. You know, he goes Commando I know. under there.
0: So, Ew.
5: I I heard bad art. That worries me. That's what kept me away from Spider-Man
2: for so long. I
0: didn't think this was bad art at all.
2: Well, you know, there's three different. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
4: there's
2: there's three different art styles through this book. Uh huh. And I would there's say bad, one of them
4: mediocre, worse, and then eh. <laughs> I say
2: there's good, eh, and bad.
4: Okay. All right. So let's go through. There are, are
3: four artists on this book. There's Marcos Martin, who does. Well, I guess we should intro the book. The Amazing Spider Man 657 is basically Peter Parker saying goodbye to Johnny Storm after the death of Johnny Storm. He's hanging with the Fantastic Four or Three, and um, <laughs> they're chatting about some of their favorite Johnny Storm moments that we've never seen before in comics, but, you know, for some reason they're memorable to them. Um, so Marcos Martin does the. Uh, you know, like the, the the framing story, and then we've got three stories one by Ty Templeton, Nuno Platy, and Stefano Caselli, who's uh, you know who's a, one of the regular artists on Amazing Spider-Man, anyway. So, I guess let's. Uh, so Marcos Martin, who did the framing story, is that what does he count as? I I think I I like the Marcos Martin stuff. That one goes on
0: the
4: mediocre side.
2: Now, when you say the framing story, you mean the meta story that goes along between the flashbacks? Correct. Yes. No, I thought that was fine. Yeah, I thought the, the art there was fine. There's a real
0: nostalgic feel. I mean, Marcos Martin draws in a very uh, Steve Ditko type of style, you know, and, and I really dig that. I, I like the callbacks to um, to those earlier Spider-Man stories through the visuals. I just I, I dig that. So I thought that was good.
3: Now, he, this is his last issue on Amazing Spider-Man, supposedly, according to Dan Slott.
0: Ah, that breaks so, my heart. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um,
3: he's... Being taken over, I think, uh, because they still need three artists because of the frequency of the book. I don't remember who the artist taking over is, but it's someone good also. Hopefully it's not the guy who did the thing story. No, no, it's not any of those. So that's Ty Templeton, um, who I I have previously liked his art. I know he did some stuff for uh, the Batman animated series comic book for DC a couple years back, or 10 years back, or 15 years back. However long that freaking series was on the air, that's when he did it.
5: I'm sure that had some nice crisp, crisp clean art. Mm. All of the animated series comics do.
4: Well, you would be wrong. Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> What's worse than abysmal? Soul crushing. You, I mean, That's... I I can see where it might not be
0: to your taste, but you you actually thought this was bad? Awful, really? Ah, uh, freaking awful. Do you know what it reminded me huh. of? It 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 reminded me of the uh, old Spidey Super Stories. I don't know if any of y'all read those when you were a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, the it, the art had that kind of playful, childlike tone to it. Um, with, and and to use Wayne's phrase, ways as fr- Wayne's phrase. I promise I have not had a stroke today. Um, to uh-huh. use Wayne's phrase, it, real crisp lines. I mean, you know, look at the uh, the the ink lines on uh, on Spider Man and the Thing and whatnot. Um, this is all really crisp. But it also there's there's no grittiness to it. There's you know the there's not a lot of you know like gloomy atmospherics. It's very bright.
3: It's very nostalgic. It is. Not, you know, it's not a modern art sensibility at all.
0: But it doesn't no. seem. It doesn't seem. You know, it doesn't have that Steve Ditko kickback. It's, it has that kind of all ages feel to it. Okay.
4: I, I, Here's there's a reason we don't watch TV that has two frigging knobs on the front of it anymore. <laughs> okay. That's, I will agree. It's like it's not like it's the, the, I mean the one panel with the electric bug or whatever is is phenomenally awful, but I will say it's not the worst artist in this book. We're getting there.
0: Uh, now, I on those pages, you know, there's there's this whole, you know, splash page of Johnny and Peter pranking on each other, right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And what, what the thing that I find so amusing about it is that, you know, the Fantastic 4 and Spider-Man are camping out in the woods. And Spider-Man is sunbathing with his mask on. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to tell you, that just tickles me to (laughs) know.
4: You know, and I will say, just as a meta for this whole thing, I I did like the writing on this guy before we we continue to bash some artists. Good point.
3: Good point. Yeah, the writing was actually very good. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming the one you hated was Nuno Flotty. Yeah. is that, the, is that the Sue it's Storm? the middle story, yeah, with Sue Storm oh, panting the and, and
0: I do think that that's the, the weakest art in the book. I did not we, care for that style. I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't care for the style.
4: If you look at the last panel of, the, of that artwork, Sue Storm looks like she's off of claymation, like when the MTV Clay Fighters happened. <laughs> she, lo- she looks like a clay statue of, of Sue Storm with ridiculous lips.
0: Well, and it reminded me very much of the fa- the recent Fantastic Four animated series, that was a little anime in style. Yeah, it, it reminded me somewhat of that, and I don't care for that kind of style at all.
2: So I didn't think it was bad. But I can completely understand why why people wouldn't. If you don't like this style, you're not going to like it. Right. I, I didn't think it was bad though. I I, I enjoyed it.
3: Yeah, see, I didn't care for the style. It felt out of place, even in this book. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, the anime or manga or whatever style just did not work for me in, with the rest of the book. Yeah. Now I did like Stefano Caselli, but I like well, Stefano
4: Caselli. Yeah, general. and that and that and that was the shining star
3: in this book.
1: Yeah, it's the, the best art of the book. With
3: Stefano Caselli's art in this book, though, was that he didn't have a ton to do. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, there were. Sitting, much of them sitting around talking. Yeah, it's a bunch of them sitting around well, talking against the blackness of space. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, again, the art is is still well done uh, for what it is. But it was, it was just kind of interesting that, you know, Stefano Caselli, you know, he drew Spider-Man fighting the scorpion on the side of a rocket flying into our atmosphere. And in this book, he's just kind of drawing a conversation.
2: Yeah, but I love how he does Reed's face, especially when they're trying to get the thing working. He's got that stubble and that just kind of look. It's He captures that. Uh, he captures that perfectly.
3: Yeah, I like the reed stubble. I wish more people drew Reed
2: with stubble.
4: Yeah, because <laughs> you know that guy doesn't shave every day. Why would no. he? No,
2: he's in the lab for. You he's know, too two busy. Days at a time.
4: Yeah. He's too busy in the lab. Come making uh, making up patents and ignoring his wife. Now I'd like to point out.
0: <laughs> I'd like to point out um, this this story takes place after the Torch's funeral. Right. Yes. Two things. One. It's revealed that Spider-Man didn't go to Johnny Storm's funeral because he's too big of a frickin' pussy. Um, (laughs) Too many people died. I can't go. I can't handle the loss. Um, So, you know, Spider-Man, hero, not there for his friends. Just saying.
2: Well, well, you see, Aaron, no one dies when he's around. So therefore, ergo, he can't go to the funeral because obviously (laughs) someone has died. And then he would be around.
3: (laughs) That's a good point. That was Maybe phenomenal. he was too
5: busy getting shot because he lost one of the most interesting things about the character, his spider
0: sense. Uh-huh. Two, right? Two, issue number two. It's after the funeral. It's probably been you know due to the size and the 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 organization that's required for a celebrity of that magnitude to coordinate that kind of an event. It's probably been anywhere between four and seven days since the torch died, right? Okay, so that means that they still hadn't engaged in their rebranding process over at the Future Foundation. So all of that was accomplished then in about three weeks instead of four. Crazy, wow. crazy cash is what the Future Foundation has. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh yeah,
4: can, yeah. Can we? It's back just up an army
5: of robots.
4: <laughs> they have children. It's- the, yes, the, the first page, <laughs> uh, the uh, inbox, did, did anybody read that? The, yes, the, yeah. the very first page. I swear to God, it sounds like they're talking about somebody crashed their car or something is that was the level of emotion i
1: got out of that like oh
4: man i'm really sorry that happened and ben's like yeah i'm a jackass yeah i I, I
1: mean
3: i get what it was trying to do yeah but i love it's like from spider-man because spider-man has an email address well yeah Subject: johnny i heard about johnny i can't believe it what happened pete and it's like, well, he he has his own Spider-Man email address. He signs off in his civilian identity. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, I'm going to send an email because one of my best friends and your brother fucking died. Here's your email.
0: Well, but he's also the same jackass who did not go to the funeral. So, you know. <laughs> they responded.
3: They, <laughs> <laughs>
1: they all responded, here. <laughs> he you know, should
3: have just tagged them on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Johnny,
1: what the fuck? Oh my All right. god!
5: All right, Aaron, you know what I think they did for the Freedom Foundation thing? Their whole rebranding. They walked up to Franklin's, like, okay, you know how we're always petrified of your powers? Yeah, just just this once, we we need to save some money. Can you just rewrite reality just for a few minutes? Cool.
4: We'll take your powers away after that. <laughs> Let me get them doing this double rainbow thing first, Dad. Hold on.
0: So. The the story ends with uh, uh, Spider-Man getting to see Johnny Storm's holographic will, if you will, uh, that he recorded just for, you know, Pete. Um, does it strike anybody as out of character that Johnny Storm would have the wherewithal to record a will?
3: A little bit. I mean, well.
5: In their line of work. I think when everyone you know has died at least once, you might think about it.
0: I agree you, that that's that a reasonable person would think that, but Johnny Storm, you know, has always been depicted as this living in the moment, hot rod r- racing, women chasing superhero. You know? Except for also, when he settled down and got married. Maybe he recorded it years
5: ago
2: when he married a scroll. I. Uh-oh. Well, he's got a sister nagging him about it all the time.
4: There, I, there it is, Andrew. I can imagine Sue Storm being like, "You stand in front of this camera and you do it."
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> what would y'all think of
0: uh of spider-man 657
4: well you what? know i bust i busted some serious balls about this issue but all in all i i think i got my four dollars worth just in the story so i i you know it was it was it was a solid b but and that's a lot considering how much how many issues i had with it but i i did enjoy uh what they were trying to do mm-hmm. even if sometimes the execution was not what it needed to be I um I I enjoyed it
3: uh I enjoyed it quite a bit I thought you know the story was very good I did enjoy some of the art um I, I I thought it was a good book I thought it was very touching I think it's a little overrated you know you you hear people calling it a masterpiece and it made me cry on Twitter um I shed no tears.
0: It made me cry because I spent three ninety nine. Oh, uh, there's that. Oh.
3: Um but no, I mean I thought it was I thought it was a very good book. Uh now it's the third part of this, Nobody Dies or whatever story. Well, I don't know if it's the third part, but you know we've had three issues dealing with death essentially. And um I'm kind of ready to get back to to the main overarching Spider Man storyline that Dan Slot has going on. I'm you ready
5: know, for him so- to give him back his spider sense. That really is bothering me. I I finally got you know five uh, six fifty six. You guys talked about a week ago, two weeks ago, and I was really annoyed by the lack of spider sense. It's the key you, part of the character that I love. It's driving me crazy, and it looks like this is going to be a long term storyline, and that bugs me. I want the spider sense back. I don't want a spider man that can just fall out of the sky onto a car. That's, That's not spider man. That was you know, hysterical.
4: You know, you know, Wayne. When we were talking a few weeks ago about you and me finding something to agree upon, and everybody else was wrong. You can sit right here on this bandwagon and bring me back my my damn spider sons with me because I'm all on with you.
5: Damn straight.
4: Yep. Yeah, I
2: don't I don't have a problem with it.
4: <laughs> yeah, well,
3: you yeah I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> so, Andrew, what did you think of this issue?
2: Well, you know, I really enjoyed this issue. Uh, I enjoyed the story. Uh, it didn't make me cry, but man, not much does uh, until I got Heart to the end. Though. Towards the end, uh, they have this little inset like they've been doing about fear itself. And they start talking about how, you know, at first I'm I'm the first paragraph I'm all excited. They're talking about how Fear Itself is told entirely within the pages of this Fear Itself series. You know, that you know, tie-ins, crossovers, they've been overused, it's just you know, people get sick of it, the company's using these as a way to push books. So they're gonna tell the entire story within the main book. But then you read down a little farther and it says, So with that in mind, we started to look at what crossovers or tie-ins would mean to a story like that. We use them as a platform to grow the story, to enhance the story. Or if you're growing and enhancing the story outside of the main storybook, how can you say you have the entire story within the main book? It's a fair point. I'm look asking. look at all those tie-ins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's no Shadowland, but. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like literally in the course of one paragraph, they completely change directions. They're like, you know, we want to tell it all in here. You know, screw tie-ins. Let's see what tie-ins we can put into this sucker.
0: You know, Matt Fraction is not going to let you put him in a box, Andrew. <laughs> He's going to be his own man, and he he reserves the right to talk out of both sides of his mouth.
2: <laughs> so there well, you you know, maybe, maybe Matt Fraction wrote the first part, and then some corporate guy wrote the bottom
0: part. Maybe, maybe, you know, the Matt Fraction from our universe, you know – I like this theory. Wrote the first paragraph, and then some alternate universe, Matt Fraction, wrote the other, uni- wrote the
4: other paragraph. But like a matinate? A, 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 a matinate. <laughs> Very good. You know, it's a wonder that guy has a job.
0: Explain that, yourself, Tim.
4: Well, you know, that's not the only thing I wonder about. I wonder about Wonder Woman that came out this week, which, Wonder Woman 609. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Skillfully done,
4: sir. Skill- yeah, I've, I've been working. I've been working it, you know. Was
5: Wonderful, my, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I was trying
4: to. I'm trying to bring my batting average up. Uh, so Wayne, what, what did what did what are your thoughts on uh, Wonder Woman six hundred nine? Best issue in a while. I was going to say I can. I agree, and this is definitely my book of the week. So this is the this this continues the storyline with um. Uh, the Wonder Woman and this Doctor Psycho character. Do I get the name right, Wayne?
5: Yep. Who neither yeah. of us knew because we didn't read Wonder Woman before the right. storyline.
4: Well, apparently he's like they're they're antagonists towards each other. Apparently in, in you know o- the older Wonder Woman history, this is one of her one of her enemies.
5: Yeah, I I particularly like it. this guy is basically a small little hideous troll. So when he goes into her mind, he makes himself the smooth suave you know attractive looking guy who's flirting with her the whole time he's showing her all of her alternate histories
4: I, li- I like the complexity behind the even us knowing that this guy is is a little bit of a quasi enemy and and the you know I like the depth of character of him saying it's because I see all this stuff that I'm a little bit nuts, you know. And I'm I'm only showing you this to try to you know to try to show you who you you know who you can be.
5: You can yeah, when be you hated it. when you hated me, were my enemy. At least I was close to you. It's like wow, that's that's a screwed up character,
4: right? I liked it. Uh, yeah, I like I like seeing all the the alternate Wonder Woman histories, and I liked her, you know, pulling through all of that to. Um, to pull out because apparently she was on death's door the whole time after getting her ass kicked by the three Amazons. You
5: know, I absolutely loved how as he's showing her each of these alternate histories, he gets to one and he's like, okay, this is probably the most insane, unbelievable one yet. And it's her actual history. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the most yeah. absurd of them all. And it's her actual history. That's great. <laughs> Cause she does have a pretty ridiculous history. She was a, you know, a clay statue that was prayed over until she came to life. That's pretty absurd.
4: Well, it's because Hippolydia didn't want to actually have a kid. You know, you know what that you know what that does to the you know south of the border region, Wayne. <laughs> She's like hell with that. I'd rather pray to a clay statue for six weeks.
2: Well, there
4: <laughs> it, does,
0: you go. it does seem a little less, uh,
2: you know, troublesome.
4: obtrusive yeah
2: six weeks you know eight to nine months yeah yeah
4: so yeah i i I enjoyed this i i I, i'm a little worried that it's ramping up Wayne, like we were thinking for this you know 612 which is going to be the the turning point where she makes a decision on who she is and i think we're all worried that she's going to make the 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 wrong decision (laughs) as far as we're concerned
5: well and this is really going in parallel with what's going on over in uh Justice League: Generation Lost. So I'm curious if they're going to get closer together at some point. Which would suck for you since you're not reading that book, which is a very good book.
4: You know, and I and I've listened to you guys talk about it, and it sounds like a book that would be pretty good in trade because I like the old JLI. So I, but at this point, you guys, you guys are twenty some issues in, and it took that long for me to like, yeah, that might be fun to read.
0: (laughs) Took us that long to convince you,
4: right? We're just gonna make
5: you green with jealousy.
4: Oh, and I am and uh, I I have significantly less green because I decided last week to pick up part one and two of the War of the Green Lanterns and that ties into this week's uh Emerald Warriors eight, which is part three. Oh okay. so I got I got suckered in.
0: So let me just say something right off the bat about War of the Green Lanterns. Already okay. they're getting off on the right foot with me because they have they have heard us, Paul. They heard what we said about Blackest Night. They need to number the chapters of the story so that you know in which order to read these damn books. And so you'll see clearly on the cover part one, War of the Green Lanterns, part two, War of the Green Lanterns, part three, War of the Green Lanterns. So I am going to write right up front praise DC Comics for doing that. No, Agreed. The last nice thing I say about War of the Green Lanterns.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well you could you could say the art was solid in all three of these books, because I, I definitely I, felt that way.
0: And I definitely exaggerate. Um the, the 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 art was nice in each of the books. And I didn't enjoy it much more than that though. Really? I you know, I think I've got Green Lantern fatigue. I honestly do. I think that if I if I hadn't been in since before Blackest Night, I'd probably enjoy this a little bit more. But my gripe, and maybe I'm getting ahead of our discussion, but my gripe about War of the Green Lanterns is that I was just hoping that it would be more significant than this. You know, the, than, than, you know, the, the lanterns turning on themselves because, you know, the yellow impurity has been returned uh, to the central battery. You know, I just I don't know. I just I I wanted something that was a little bit more than the half the green lanterns are are mind controlled or more than half the green lanterns are mind controlled.
4: You you were hoping it was more of a a difference of opinion that led to a,
0: yeah, a conflict. Like, yeah, like I support the guardians, you don't support the guardians, we are going to throw down. You yep. know. I really want it to be a genuine conflict between the the green lanterns rather than being something manufactured by their enemy. Cuz you know, what's going to happen? You know, there'll be a lot of hard times coming up, um, but then they'll eventually break the mind control of the lanterns, and then they'll all throw down on Krona. End of story. Yep. And that's what I find so disappointing about this. I wanted this to be an actual break in the lanterns, because the thing that I feel like has needed to happen since Blackest Night is that they've got to throw off the Guardians. You know, I think they need to govern themselves as opposed to being governed by the little blue dudes.
4: Well, the Guardians – Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say they, they wouldn't even have to change the story that much. They could have had three issues of them having their own civil disobedience beat down and then have icky guardian dude show up and then F them when they're all <laughs> at, their, at their weakest and, and you know,
1: yeah.
0: not yeah. a family. I, just, I, I find conflict a whole lot more interesting when it's genuine and it comes from the character rather than being manufactured externally by the bad guy. At this I mean, point, most
5: of those Green Lanterns spend more time mind-controlled than not –
2: yeah, I mean, yeah. using mind control as, as as a superhero power is just really kind of weak. Yeah.
4: Yeah, you know, I get the I get the opinion that Guy Gardner is very much like the Coyote. I think, to, I think he's ready to take down some possessed jerks with a ring. <laughs> well, you
1: know,
2: and the, the Guardians may be on their way out because what happens to them is that things are not looking good for the Guardians. No. Now, it's not not the not the Green Lanterns throwing them down, but. I just like to say I'm so sick of parallax in every major Green Lantern storyline. Is it possible to write one without parallax?
0: Yeah, and I gotta say, I don't I, I've never really cared for the character design of the, the parallax entity. Yeah. Um I really I and it it really does diminish my enjoyment of the book when he appears. Yeah. I, I mean, just he, don't like him.
2: He showed up in Blackest Night, he showed up in War of the Green Lantern, Sinestro War, uh the Um, obviously when Hal Jordan went crazy to destroy Grove City. Yeah.
4: You know, you say Parallax, I say yellow pterodactyl face. (laughs) 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 Now, let's look at, we've
0: got three issues that we're talking about here. We're kind of talking about them as one entity, but, you know, I thought that the cover for Green Lanterns, uh, War of the Green Lanterns uh, Part 1, Green Lantern number 64, was okay. Hated the cover for Green Lantern Corps number 58. And yep. absolutely loved the color the cover for Green Lantern's uh, Emerald Warriors number eight. Yep, I that that uh, that Green Lantern Corps number fifty eight that shows Kyle Rayner and uh, John Stewart fighting on the cover is terrible.
2: Well, it's, and everything surrounding them looks like it's a, uh, a John Stewart construction because they all look like these you know very detailed machines. Nothing there looks like Kyle Rayner would have made it. Right. Right. Yeah, just blech.
4: No, it just looks like a mess. That's it much. really does. It's just a
0: mess. It, you know, and the 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 central image of, of the two of them fighting at the, at the middle of the cover is just not very interesting to look at. And all of the the Green Lantern artifacts created around them is just a mess, just like you said. Though for some reason, you know, in the foreground, um, it looks like it's one of Kyle Rayner's structures. You know, grabbing the gun on one of John Stewart's,
2: and it looks like it's about to blow it. I did, not, I did not see that oh, <laughs> until now.
4: He's going to get a facial? Is that what's going on? <laughs> nice.
2: A pearl necklace. <laughs> a
3: green
4: pearl necklace. <laughs> Dude, just I, did not,
2: I did not need to know. <sighs> I can't stop staring at it.
4: Why don't you two guys just get a room, would you?
0: <laughs> but yeah, the, the cover for uh, uh, Emerald Warrior is number eight, and I knew the name of the artist here a moment ago. But, uh, Tomasi. It, no, that he did the interiors. The cover was oh. done by Felipe Massafera. Massafera. Felipe Massaferra. And, you know, I, when I initially saw it, I was like, God, is that an Alex Ross cover? I mean, it is really very nice.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and, and basically, anytime you can choke Hal Jordan with a chain, oh, yeah. I am all on the,
4: I'm on, I'm on the waiting list.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, guy it Gardner's doesn't goal. even. It doesn't even look like guys putting forth a whole lot of effort.
4: Like <laughs> I really don't want to kill him. I just want to, you know, get him to that David Carradine point and uh, you know, <laughs> let the rest take care of itself.
0: So, okay, so part one takes us uh, with we, we find Hal Jordan working with the with the other uh, members of the Rainbow Light Brigade. Uh, you know, trying rainbow to, coalition, right, the rainbow <laughs> coalition, you know, he's got Larflees there and Sinestro and Star Sapphire, Red Lantern, etc. And uh, uh, they're trying to, you know, that they, they encounter the the uh, the big black book, which is the book of the dead. What's that called? Oh, book
3: the book of the black.
0: black. The book of the black. Um, yep. So and, you know, of course, we we run into Lisa Drack, the story vampire, which, hmm. you know, dr- what I determine that is, is that she's the one who sucked all the good stuff out of the story.
1: <laughs> that's, that's how I
0: interpret that. Um, so play. I think it's great that, you know, uh, Jeff Johns writes the excuse for his craptastic story right into the pages of the book. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you run into, you know, the, uh, uh, the bad guys have – have taken control of the entities, you know, bad stuff's about to happen, which leads us into part two in which, uh, John Stewart and Kyle Rayner are wamping on each other. And we find that the yellow impurity or parallax takes up life inside the, uh, uh, central battery of the green lanterns, which of course is what leads to all of the mind control. Now there was a nice moment in this book, you know, with Ganthet. You know, Ganthet uh, is trying to overwhelm the mind control that's occurring with uh, Kyle Rayner and John Stewart. They've got a little bit more resistance to the mind control because they've previously been infected by Parallax, so they built some uh, resistance up to that. And what's really cool is that uh, you know Ganthet's hand explodes. In a, in a nice big blue shattering uh, thing, and we get to see Ganthet scream like a girl. They built up all
5: this resistance because they spend more time mind control than anyone
0: else.
4: Well, some of some of it's persuasion roles. It's not really mind control. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've read these books and I felt kind of dirty. Like, how do these Green Lanterns have foreplay? I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, put some impurity in the central battery. I can just see Aris <laughs> like, "Well, your willpower must be strong and tight." <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of me a little bit.
0: In the second issue of this story, we learn that the only way the Green Lanterns can really co- combat this mind control is to take off their rings. So John Stewart and Kyle Rayner each you know lose their Green Lantern rings, and they blow up actually when. Ganthet takes control of them uh, and, and loses his hand. So you know they're ru- they're running around Oa, you know, ringless. And then that brings us to part three, where there's the big fight between Hal Jordan and uh, uh, Guy Gardner, who do the same thing. But now they're off on this frozen world at the end of the story, and they've taken their rings off.
4: Well, and this story seems a little more like what we were talking about in the beginning. This seems like the conflict of interest, the difference between these two characters, is only slightly amped up by this yellow impurity. The, uh, the other one was just I, – I didn't feel it was as organic as this one because this one has been building for a while. Yeah. And well, so I, I did enjoy this.
3: It's a good thing there was oxygen on this planet that they were on. Yeah, but you know, they're
0: really not dressed for, you know, no. <laughs> Frozen plants. I mean, you know, you've got uh, you know, Hal Jordan there in his bomber jacket and Guy Gardner's wearing a freaking hoodie. <laughs> 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 but yeah, they're
3: going to be okay. <laughs> we'll find out in part 4. Well, part part we'll we find out in part 4. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. No, I mean but, like is anybody buying part four? It's my question.
4: Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure yet. I, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've enjoyed it up to this point. I don't think I have the Green Lantern fatigue that uh, maybe you and you and uh, Aaron do, Polly. But I, I I did like it. Um, I I also got a kick out of the fact that his the Hal Jordan's Fortress of Solitude is called the Greenhouse.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> that
4: is
2: so really?
1: stupid.
2: <laughs> it's little, really. It's an Arctic planet. Planet, and it's called the greenhouse. And I like how Gar guy calls him. I was like, Ah, what idiot named this place the greenhouse? <laughs> and then Hal's like, I did. Yeah, that figures.
4: <laughs> uh, I don't know. What are you? What, how are you guys feeling about this? Is it? Is it? We're staying on board.
0: How many more parts are there to this?
3: I think it's twelve total parts. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I could be wrong, but. Because I I, I just got the previews for comics that are coming out in in June, and um, it shows, you know, War of the Green Lantern's aftermath stuff. So, let's see. So we've got all of April, all of May, so maybe nine. If there's only three books a month, then
1: nine.
2: Well, I'll tell you why I'm going to stay on it. It's because I have... I have both Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps on my pull list at my store, and it takes a small act of God to get something off your pull list. And I,
1: <laughs> I just don't
2: – I'm just not motivated enough at this moment to try to go through that.
5: You sound like me. So that's why yeah, I'm Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. The uh, Normally what I do is when I get all of the books in, I just slide what I'm not getting back on the shelf when they're not looking. But for the uh, the week of Fear of the Con, I didn't go that week, so I come in the next week, and the stuff from the week before is bagged and boarded.
2: So yeah, it's like, you're screwed. Then
5: this is a little more awkward. So I'm looking. It's huh. like, okay, which of this can I? What of this week can I pass off as being last week? And when no one's watching, I'm over in the corner, slipping it out of the bag and nice slide, sliding Superman back on the shelf, while well, I shove uh, Invincible in the bag instead. Like nothing, no, nothing wrong here,
1: and, <laughs>
5: and that's why I bought an Uncanny X Men last week. That was really I didn't couldn't even read it because it was so bad. Because I didn't want to say something and it was already bagged and boarded. And I'd already pulled at least one thing out of the bag and board to put back on the shelf.
4: And if, if you want that X Men, tune in on May ninth.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pretty funny book day, woo! So, so Paul, I, I I concur. It does look like it's a nine part series. That means we're a third in. I don't know. I don't know.
3: I, I don't you know. Because it's like it start. I'm trying to decide if the start of this crossover is a good point to jump out, or the end of the crossover is a good point to jump out. Because do I really think the end of this crossover is going to bring about enough change or a a, a different way of storytelling? I, I I don't think so. Yeah.
5: You know, I just keep waiting, and all this buildup of all these different kind of rings, and they still haven't made Captain Planet yet. they just keep building it never happens so i jumped out a long time ago
0: now did you see that uh you know jeff johns who has been responsible for you know all the 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 green lantern stuff over the last several years did you see that he's picking up the aquaman title
3: i did with ivan rice on art
0: Uh uh-huh and i love ivan rice i don't and, and and i generally enjoy jeff johns i just don't know that i can enjoy anybody on
3: aquaman I don't know. I'm pondering it. I'm going to pick up the first issue. Let's okay, be so We're going to pick up the first issue.
0: We gonna- you got a mouse in your pocket.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: His name is Aaron. <laughs> first issue with me. Damn it,
1: Paul. We're going to we're going
4: to have a uh, a little test of people's knowledge here, and they're probably not going to want to admit this, but who is that new Aquaman? That's not that's not the old Aquaman.
0: Is that not Arthur Curry? Uh,
4: it is so Arthur Curry. Wait, are you looking at the ad for Flashpoint? Because yeah. the guy with that's the buzz cut. The Flash
5: points alternate realities, Tim.
4: Oh, stupid. Flash. OK, never
3: mind. It's still Arthur Curry, though. Oh. <laughs> Just an alternate universe, Arthur Curry.
5: Yeah. Oh, so yeah One it's 100 times cooler than any Arthur Curry we've ever seen before.
4: Yeah, that's why I was like, who is this guy? That might be interesting. And then you're like, no, that's fake. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's not real. <laughs> It's not like the rest not, of my comics.
0: My rest it, of my comics are real. Not, not in continuity <laughs> bullshit. I'm sorry. I, what was that word you used? Continuity. Oh, okay. It didn't sound right, but okay.
4: Well, I I use, I, I, you, I use it in subsequent issues. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is too no, the
5: the problem is he's using it to talk about a Marvel or a DC book. That's why it doesn't
4: sound right. That's, that's probably fair, too. So last week,
0: Paul and I talked. Or we talked a little bit about uh, Zombie Number One and how none of us had picked it up or had even noticed that it came out. Paul and I picked it up this week.
3: Yes, and uh, not only you know I didn't pick it up; I forgot when I was at my comic shop. But uh, so I went back to get it yesterday because I, I was very curious about it. It's uh, I'm not familiar with the the writer John Rosen. Yeah, I'm but not I either. I do like Fraser Irving, uh, the artist. So I thought I'd give it a shot. What'd you think? I was a little confused. I, I, I mean, like we said, we're not familiar. I wasn't familiar with Zombie from the Milestone Universe, right? Um, and while I don't think you need that knowledge going in, there are a lot of ideas thrown at you in this first issue. Yeah. Well, and um, I think a lot of that's
0: teaser that they're going to come back and talk to you about a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think I don't think that they were expecting you to have uh, followed, you know, to have read the milestone books i mean let's be honest milestone books are what 15 years ago longer 20 years ago um so i mean i doubt that they're thinking that there are too many people and really how many people were reading it in the first place you know because i was reading milestone back then but i wasn't reading zombie you know um but i gotta say i loved this book i I, I loved it from beginning to end. I thought this was I thought this was fantastic. There was a a sense of humor to it. Um, the artwork was freaking phenomenal. Um, really had a lot of of great atmosphere and and uh, uh, environment to it. It felt like a horror book. You know, yeah,
3: it, it was almost like an Asian American Constantine. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know yeah. Um now supposedly this does take place in the regular DC universe but you know for some reason unlike every other book that takes place in the DC universe they didn't have Batman guest star in the first issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I was okay with. You know I mean I wouldn't mind seeing some DC characters later on but it's nice to you know that they're establishing you know this own you know this book as its own thing. Now will it last? I don't know but there like I said there are a ton of ideas thrown at you and they're all cool. Yeah yeah you know, this book was a lot of fun
0: well i you know the 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 main character is David Kim, otherwise known as zombie and that's zombie with an x x o m b i um and i guess that his he is uh called the zombie not because he is undead but because he has uh nanites in his system that feed off of others like there's this offhanded reference about how um when he was, you know, critically injured, the nanites in his body just feasted on another person to uh, make him better. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I hope we go back and talk more about that. Um,
3: yeah, it seems like a, a, a key piece in his origin. So I'd imagine <laughs> yeah. we're coming back to that. Yeah. I,
0: I, I, there is this scene, you know, he gets called in um, to assist in this prison that, that's, you know, held under a church. And uh, which I, I thought was interesting and and he goes there and he meets uh, this nun, and she's like, "Are you the zombie?" And he says, "Well, my name's David. I wish people would stop referring to me as the zombie. It sounds incredibly derogatory and a bit racist if there were enough of us to constitute being our own ethnic group. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was hysterical. and the names for the nuns, you know oh, yeah. you know he he meets nun, in un the less, so the less. And then he also meets none of the above. (laughs) And then, of course, there's Catholic Girl, who, of course, is, you know, her costume is a Catholic schoolgirl. The prison is kind of this supernatural prison for people who, you know, um, have been. Exposed to, you know, certain certain demonic, supernatural, horrible forces, and it's this miniaturized. They shrink them down into this prison that's held under this uh, church, I guess. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I love this story from beginning to end. Just lots of, like you said, Paul, lots of great ideas that they were just throwing out there. That if they follow up on them, this is a lot of story for a while to come. Oh yeah. And I mean, the, 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 everything was just firing on this book. I thought, you know, you had this terrific story. The characters were all interesting and engaging. You had beautiful inks, and and really the the coloring uh, uh, that was applied to the book supported it as well. Because, like I said, you had this great atmosphere that just felt like a horror book. And uh-huh. so, uh, you know, every time Catholic girl who has this you know ability to generate this holy light almost every time she fired up, you really felt like it was changing. Uh, the environment that the characters were in. I just thought it was awful, an, an awesome book.
3: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I'm definitely on for issue two. Yeah. And it has a, a, a heck of a cliffhanger ending that was really well done.
0: Yeah, it does. And it's good and creepy, too. I mean, I, you know, you, you pick up a book called Zombie, you expect a little horror, and, and you get that. And there is, you know, Zombie was created by uh a Milestone creator Dwayne McDuffie, who died recently, and there's a nice little dedication on the last page to him. Um, Again, I will say it's almost like they're shying away from the milestone origins. Because wouldn't you think there'd be a one pager in here talking about the origins of the character? You know, the, yeah. The, the, but the like you said, of- I
3: think they're avoiding you know making you think that you have to read other stuff. Yeah, I just wish I, I wish there was a little bit in here
0: about that. And I, and I guess I understand that they're they're wanting to ensure that they don't chase away any new readers who don't who who might not be even aware that there was a Milestone universe beforehand but uh, Zombie was the uh, one of the few characters that I did not read in the original Milestone run so I am just as excited as I can be about this and I don't know that I've read anything by John Rosen before but what a fantastic job he did in this book.
3: Yeah, absolutely I- I'm definitely looking forward to issue two now, um, is this a miniseries or an ongoing?
0: It's an ongoing Is it? Okay It's an ongoing and so, you know, uh, hopefully uh, hopefully people will pick it up, and it'll stay out there, because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Book of the Week, in fact.
3: Really? Even yeah. though it came out two weeks ago? Even though it came out two
0: weeks ago, it is Book of the Week for this week. That's
3: how awesome this book is. Well, you know what? Out of, out of all the books that we're going to talk about today, I guess I can agree with that as well. Yeah. Especially when compared to a book like Teen Titans
4: number
0: 93. <laughs> <laughs> Tim? Would you like to talk to us about Teen Titans number ninety-three?
4: I can't. I can't defend it
1: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you I...
4: bastards are all going
0: to jump
5: off just when I jump back on the book,
4: aren't you? <sighs> right. no, huh. no, I'm a sucker. Um. Yeah. So, I really think Damian Wayne took the magic away when he left. <laughs> i i i forgot how 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 utterly mediocre this book was until we got down to this list and i started flipping through it again i'm like oh yeah um the the storyline in this one is about the teen titans visiting uh a wonder girl's mother who's an archaeologist and um meeting up with this character called solstice which i know nothing about and uh yeah, them getting in a tussle with some demon that's just hanging out in wherever they are, Bahrain or whatever the hell. So yeah, it was fairly mediocre. <laughs> yeah, Wayne, this is your this is your first book back because uh, you know when Tim Drake because Damian showed up, Wayne
5: is gone now.
4: Right, right. So what were your thoughts?
5: I so I enjoyed it. It wasn't like you said mediocre is a kind of a good word for it. But I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I miss these characters is probably why I'm enjoying it so much. It seems like they're resetting quite a lot. Like they're taking a bunch of steps back in character development. So I figure guys like you that have been reading this for a while are probably pretty annoyed by that. That Cassie's suddenly in the background. Tim's automatically leading again. I'm curious about things that I'm sure have been covered quite a few times. Like why Cassie and Superboy broke up. Because I have no idea. But yeah, I I enjoyed it because I missed the characters.
3: You know, I didn't mind that Cassie, you know, gave leadership to Tim Drake because that makes sense. But, you know, the, you, we're talking about step backs and character development. You know, Kid Flash is, you know, back to the Kid Flash he was, like when he first became Kid Flash. He, You know, he hasn't matured at all. You know, Connor is kind of portrayed as this big, dumb lug and drawn that way, too. You
5: know what I was kind of getting out of it? I think they're trying to move those two characters to be more like their Young Justice counterparts.
0: I think that's exactly what's going on.
3: Absolutely. And you know, and I get that, but Young Justice is not, you know, Young Justice is is different. And you know, jumping back, you know, just kind of it, it bugged me a little bit.
5: Yeah, I could easily tell reading through here that people have been that have been reading the title probably were going to be annoyed by it because it does seem like they're taking a bunch of steps back. They're taking steps back to when I was reading the book and enjoying it, though.
0: Well, I, I I will say that there was one panel in the book that I enjoyed, and that is the exchange between Changeling and uh, uh, Red Robin, and you know they're they're talking about how uh, people don't know who he is, and Changeling says, "Well, you know, you could add a couple of R's to your costume," <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Red Robin says, "The costume is fine the way it is," and I'm like. Yeah, not no, really. it's not. <laughs> not really, yeah. not really. But not you know, I'd the... like to point out what assholes the Teen Titans are. Okay, so just to illustrate <laughs> this. You know, they're flying into Pakistan at this archaeological dig. There is this settlement there that is clearly, you know. You know, hundreds, if not thousands, of years old. You know, and you know the way archaeology is is civilizations are built on top of civilizations on top of civilizations. So what do they do? They land their little Titans jet right in the middle of the fucking archaeological dig. Way to go, Teen Titans! <laughs> Teen Titans, they hate history. That's all I'm saying.
3: They're teenagers. So I think what I hear you saying is that there's a city under a city.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> anymore uh, there's
0: not so So what did everyone think about this solstice character that nobody knows anything about well she has been kind of water dripped to us in the last several books so while she she seems brand new to you those of us who have endured the pain that is teen titans are a little (laughs) more familiar with it i really like the look
5: of the character just the this whatever she's wearing looks kind (laughs) of interesting her powers look cool. I'm curious to know more about the character.
4: Well, since they don't have Miss Martian, they have to get another annoyingly happy, uh, make Ravager want to stab out her other eye freaking character. So <laughs> I guess she'll fit that bill. She's I, so happy she glows. She's so happy Raven shirks away. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I hated the character design on the demons.
4: Oh,
3: yeah. The big boobed one with the pointy boobs. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the big other floppy boobs. boobs. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and I mean, it, they just seemed awkward. I mean, just beyond the the you know nasty withered boobs. Um, <laughs> hey, nothing says evil like floppy
5: boobs, and we don't ever see that in comics. So <laughs>
4: <laughs> they're
1: tying it oh, into
5: something there.
4: They're, We're they're instantly tying into a revolted. A bra. That's for freaking sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I I can't I can't defend it anymore. That was I, I wanted it to be better, and then they got rid of one of the main reasons I was happy about the restart. I I don't know. It's it feels like it feels like a retread, and I think Wayne's right. I think that's what's really annoying me. It's like let's just retcon the last forty issues of Teen Titans, <laughs> which only affects me on this podcast. I I get that, but <laughs> goddamn, I
0: I, so. I think I think I'm off of Teen Titans.
4: I was about to say uh, who's on for Teen Titans ninety
1: yeah.
0: four? Yeah. yeah, the only I, thing the only thing that makes me question jumping off is that they're, you know, coming up on issue one hundred. And you know that there's as they get into like issue ninety four, ninety five, they're gonna be ratcheting up to a big anniversary issue. <sighs> I just to versus
3: so the floppy boob demons. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, it? some kind of hollow foil hey. gatefold cover.
5: Someone so, you know, needs to fight against floppy boobs, and if it's going to be anyone, it might as well be the Teen Titans or perhaps Spider Girl. Oh, that's
0: right.
3: <laughs>
1: <Perhaps. a lot>.
0: Because <laughs> you know she's all she's all young and tight. Um, you know, maybe she oh, can fight gosh. against the uh, the floppy boobs.
3: What do you think, she Andrew? She's like twelve.
0: I think or she's fourteen. Like, yeah, I, I think she's older than that. Well. <laughs> To avoid being creeped
5: out, Aaron believes she's older than that. I
0: believe. I believe she, well, since she's <laughs> yeah. living on her own, I'm going to believe she's older than that.
3: Gotcha.
4: So she tells you, Aaron.
3: <laughs> yeah, Billy Batson lived on his own too.
2: Telly- so and he's you know. like
3: 21, right now.
2: <laughs> so this was Spider Girl number five. Uh, continued the Craven uh, Anna Craven uh, storyline. The big hunt. The big wow. next big hunt. Uh, you know, this was. Could have been a really good book. It had a great been, story.
0: This, this could have been book of the week. This if could you, have been if you if you just took it by story. If you yes. just took at it in the terms of the writing, this was book of the week quality. Absolutely. However, the art is so uneven, so bad. Oh yeah, so bad. There there are panels. I mean, it's just like the last time we were talking about this artist uh, in Spider Girl number four. There are some panels that work really well. But then there are others where it's just like, you know, did your five-year-old draw this? You know, I, I just strange constructed panels and and uh, particularly anything where there's light. <laughs> he seems to do much better on the darker pages. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: like the pages that occur at the Raven Society outpost oh, where yeah. they're all b- brightly lit. Those are awful. Those are yeah. awful
2: pages. Yeah and he doesn't seem to have a lot of definition on his faces. His no. faces are just these very blobby flat surfaces. Yeah.
0: But you know, uh the story with Spider-Girl and uh um what is her name again? Anna. Anna. Um where they're fighting, it's a it is a book-long fight scene between them. And it is it is really in terms of story, one of the best fight scenes I've read because you're actually in Spider-Girl's head. You know, where she thinks she's going to win it, where she's like, "Holy crap, I'm losing it," and then creating her strategy to get back over and win the fight. And you know, you you are right there with the character as that as those thoughts are occurring. Um, I, I thought it was really well done, with the minor exception of the crap tastic art in this book.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I love the fact that she admits she makes mistakes. So, yeah. you know, so so often you see people who refuse to admit they might have done something wrong. But during the fight, she's like, you know, I did something very dumb. You know, I was mad. I set this fight up just so I could have excuse to wail on someone, and that was a big mistake. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I really feel bad that they that 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 the artwork just isn't matching the story, because I feel like if they had the right artist on this book, this book could be big. You know, yeah. th- this book could do really well because I got to tell you, the uh, the uh, story by Paul Tobin uh, is just terrific. I, I've really yeah. enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, It's a shame that the art by Matthew Southworth and Sergio Carielli, Cariello are, are, is not quite keeping up the story. Yeah.
0: And I just think it's poorly matched. You know, I, it's just poorly matched to the story. No, this is something you'd read about.
2: I don't know. I'm kind of excited. Apparently next issue they are introducing the Hobgoblin. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know one of the one of the things that occurs in the story is people are able to watch the fight between Spider Girl and Anna all the way through, and they're like, "Why are we getting these terrific angles?" Oh, it says here the filming is being done by Phil Urich. I've heard of him; he's been doing some remarkable videos. <laughs> he always seems to get the strangest angles. I wonder how he does it. And then there's this image of Hobgoblin watching, laughing. <laughs>
2: Yeah. But yeah, no, I really I really love the character growth and development all through the story during because it's a fight, which usually a lot of times the fights are just action, action, action. Right. But this you see the character change and grow yeah. while you're going through the fight sequence.
0: Yeah, the, the 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 fight is actually supporting story and character growth. You know, as opposed to just being a fight. So, you know, I dug it and despite how craptastic the art is, I'm sticking around for number six.
2: Yeah, I probably am too.
3: Woohoo! Uh, the book you were ashamed to talk about. See, what's great is that
0: Andrew started reading this book so he could be better versed in mocking me. And, and now... I, and I am. <laughs> but now, now, he he's in there, too. So one of y'all's <laughs> got to read
3: it so that y'all can mock us. We'll turn you
0: or, to the dark side.
3: <laughs> or I can get you guys to start reading Grim Fairy Tales, Myths, and Legends from Xenoscope. That's a lot more likely. <laughs> um <laughs> So Grim Fairy Tales, Myths and Legends, the spin off of Xenoscope's long running Grim Fairy Tales story. Uh I think that I think that comic's probably in the sixty something issue range. Um but Myths and Legends is in issue three. And um from what I can tell you don't need to be versed in the main story to know what's going on here, because this is just a straight horror book. Um in uh, a psychological rehab facility and uh it deals with like a werewolf that's kind of stalking the denizens of the uh, facility. And I got to be honest, it's it's written by Raven Gregory. It's a fantastic book. The read, I mean, the story is really well done. It's actually very creepy. Um, my issues with it kind of mainly fall on the art. The art is a little mediocre, I guess going back to what we were talking about with Spider-Girl. just it, I wouldn't say it's drawn by a five-year-old, but it, the art doesn't convey some of the horror that you're getting... that needs to for the story. But my favorite part of issue three of Myths and Legends is the ad for the upcoming Fly uh, miniseries from uh, Xenoscope that we talked about a couple weeks ago on the show because they quote Wayne. All right. Very cool. Yes, we are quoted in a comic book ad. We are legit. (laughs) You remember what I say better than I do.
0: (laughs) So this is our second quote, right? Because the, the first one was... Uh...
3: Also Xenoscope, yeah. yeah.
0: They, they, yeah. Paul, are for, you Xenoscope?
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Am I Xenoscope? I, 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 I might be. <laughs> Am I, one of my other personalities is Xenoscope. <laughs> but either way, it's a good book, so I do recommend reading it. But buy it just for the Ideology of Madness ad. Uh, well, and yeah, absolutely. Ad.
1: absolutely, yep.
0: Collector, immediate collector's item issue.
1: Bag
2: Indeed. that sucker.
0: Yeah. Yeah, buy three. Yeah, buy three. <laughs> send, send us all three of them. We'll autograph
3: them and send them back to you. Ooh, that is a good point.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Bring them to next year's Fear of the Con, and we will sign them for you. <laughs>
1: well, free funds today.
4: I'd rather, yeah. mu- I'd rather much rather sign cleavage, Paul, unless it's a dude. Okay, <laughs> say, a careful,
2: be careful what you ask for,
0: Tim. Some dude with man breasts. Sign him. she?
4: <laughs> I will. I, addendum A, but must not be a dude. <laughs> it's, it's
0: still a
5: story you can tell later. You just leave out the man part.
3: Yeah, I uh, signed some
5: boobs. That's
3: <laughs> all you need to say. No, no, no I can't do it. I could not tell huh. that kind of lie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know what Paul can do? He can read Starborn one through four.
3: Yes. Um Did you actually read e- one through
0: four, Paul? Because I only got through one.
3: <laughs> I read all four <laughs> issues of Starborn. Last week we talked about uh Soldier Zero. Uh the Stanley created book uh released through Boom Studios, and we all said we were gonna read Starborn one through four, um, also from the Stanley universe or whatever, um, from Boom Studios. And uh so Aaron, you only got through issue one, I hear.
0: Yeah, I only got through issue one. Boy, <laughs> I hated this book with every fiber of my being. You I, know, the
5: sad part was, I really enjoyed issue one until the end, when it was just a. Before it got to any yeah. of the actual sci-fi aspects, when it's just the struggling writer who's has no clue yeah. how the writing industry actually works. I really enjoyed that.
0: Oh, I did too. I, I, you know, I, I thought that was that was interesting. But you know, I knew from when it cut to that page where he's you know word processing and he's you know talking about the uh you know he's writing the story you just read i was like oh it's this you know and how many times have you seen this how many times have you seen the story where the writer is writing about you know what he thinks is fiction and it turns out it's for reals um <laughs> i just i don't want to read that story again and so I, I from that point on in the book despite the fact that i thought that uh, the character uh, was interesting in his you know non starborn identity um, i wasn 't at all interested in the story because I just don 't want to read that again yeah I think at this point i 'm
5: really interested in some different kind of stories if that would have been the the whole story and continued on just a struggling writer in his day to day life absolutely i would have i would have uh, bought the issue every week i mean I read all up to all four of issues of this But I would have enjoyed and kept reading If that were the yeah. story
4: You know I, I, th- I think I have a much different take on this I, 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 I kind of like Starborn 1 through 4 Really? So yeah to me I I haven't seen this The the You're saying it's a played out concept I don't remember the last time I've seen it um, So about the writer who doesn't know he's writing non-fiction Right and I kind of like the fact that he was like, "You've got to be kidding me! This is all just baloney!" And it just keeps coming up and coming up as the issues go on. I don't know if it's gonna it's gonna keep my attention past the point where he gets to he gets to acceptance. But right now, where he's in denial, it's been fun.
5: You know, and one thing I really liked about that—I don't think uh, Aaron got far enough into read. Someone else had been writing this before. Yeah, this Kirk isn't the Allen. First, yeah, and his take he was apparently on the other side because his perspective on the all the different races and that is completely different. It's like the two of them were on opposing sides of the war and each one is presenting the same characters, the same races in totally different lights. Yeah. That, I thought, was an interesting and different take.
0: Yeah, I didn't get that far.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta be honest. I, I actually did not dislike Starborn number one through four i actually enjoyed them a bit and now you know the, hey, that the matrix, ringing endorsement are we gonna see that on a quote yeah, <laughs> I, uh,
5: I i i love that first issue i really did
3: i wow. liked it until the matrix scene you know where he's sitting in the office in his cube and you know he's attacked by the the men in black essentially um I liked it until then but it, I I gotta be honest I wish there was more of that I wish they had spent longer in the real world and some of the fantasy world instead of I mean at the end of issue one you know he puts on the spacesuit and space shit happens for the next three issues and I would have liked you know for I would have liked that to have gone on a little longer
4: yeah I, I agree I don't know yep. like I said I, I don't know if it's going to like I said keep my interest now that it's you know, hip deep into the space opera aspects. I would have much rather seen him be like, "We can't leave yet. I've I've got to make sure somebody's taking care of my cat before I leave, or something like that." <laughs> that would be cool. You know, some 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 kind of aspect to yeah, keep him on Earth for a little while longer. And I also don't like the fact that I think it was issue four was like, "Here's every single one of the races that you're going to have to deal with."
1: Yeah, that it's seemed, like hey, that seemed kind of like a
4: him. yeah, it was like a nerdgasm of everything that this writer has at this point. I'm like, couldn't you just like, you know, let it come out naturally?
1: You know, <laughs>
4: <laughs> like three issues later, oh, we're gonna deal with the Minotaur people. Okay, cool. Let's let's have a you know a three issue arc about dealing with the the pride is what they're called. Nope, you're the LR.
1: Yeah, it but just seems like I there's
4: dislike it.
5: It just seems like there's so much better stuff coming out from Boom other than the Stan Lee stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, zombie I, Tales. Uh, there's a title called Salem that looks really interesting. We talk about incorruptible and irredeemable. There's a, uh, there's a trade out there called What Were They Thinking? Where they take old comics from right around World War II. So they're all either war comics or they're Old West. And they take modern writers like Keith Griffin did some of these, and they just fill in new words for the old comics. All the old art, all the new words. So, like one of the uh, the World War II ones, they turn the main character who's this rough and tough, you know, military guy. When you read the words, it's a female having menstrual issues.
2: Oh yeah, that it's, sounds like good reading.
1: <laughs> it's all <comedy. laughs>
5: I mean, it's it's all comedy. It's basically taking these old pictures. And just making hilarious books out of it. Some of the funniest stuff I've read in a while. And I definitely haven't seen anything like that before.
2: Well, I really enjoyed Soldier Zero. and In fact, I'm planning on continuing to read it. But Starborn... I'm kind of with you guys. I was I was somewhere in between Aaron's raw hatred and, and I think it was Paul's kind of kind of sort of didn't hate it. Uh, I will
3: continue reading Starborn. I am more likely to continue with Starborn than I am with Soldier Zero. See, and I Definitely. like Soldier
0: Zero more, despite what I, what I what uh, the problems that I saw with Soldier Zero. There there are elements of that book that I enjoyed enough to keep reading it.
3: You know what I found interesting about these uh, covers though? What's that for Starborn? You know we we're, we're reading uh, preview. Copies that are sent to us by Boom Studios. Let's, you know, put that out there. Now, the cover design of these books cuts off about half of the cover. Mm-hmm. You know, with the the, the the title and the creative team and stuff like that. And you know, like they, if you look, a full cover is drawn, and they just cut it in half. It just seems like kind of a waste to have someone draw a full cover and then cut off half of it just to put Starboard Stanley Starborn on it.
0: Yeah, but you know, uh, in the first issue of Starborn, you know, they show the alternate covers for mm-hmm. it. The one that is the uh, Midtown Comics uh, exclusive, love that cover.
3: Yeah, the ish
0: Yeah, it looks you know all Kirby's uh, uh, marble type of work. Really dug that cover, and you know, as I was as I was you know flipping through and getting ready to read the book, you know, that's like the last uh, preview cover there. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. Oh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say, you know, I, I, it's the story that bugs me. The character designs in the book are really good. Um, I I'm, the art. Yeah. I, the, a lot of times I don't like how aliens are represented in books because, you know, there's just not a whole lot of thought put into the functionality. But
2: uh, I have Green to say. Green Lantern what? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um but you know the the aliens in, in the book, particularly the little robot dude that you see in issue two, uh, is, is are, are really nicely done, you know. And the guy with the big ram, I guess the minotaur uh, looking dude. Um, I think I think the the aliens are all rather interesting looking. I just am not caring for the story.
5: You know, I'm probably going to continue on for another issue or two. I so said I absolutely love the first book, and I would have uh, I would have continued getting a. A title that was just about the guy struggling to be a writer but there were some interesting things in here and there are slightly different takes on it even though this is a bit of a tried and seen many times uh type of story yeah
4: i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna stick on i i'm gonna wait to the point where it it loses my interest in the space opera so so is
3: that gonna be what issue 93 like teen titans no! <laughs> <laughs> wow!
4: <laughs> okay, Paul, so, you're a jerk. So no
3: floppy <laughs> boobs show up in Starboy Tim's on and,
2: and pointy ones.
0: So, uh, pointy what boom book are we re- reading for next week?
3: Do we have to read one really? Yes, Paul. Traveler. <laughs> Traveler. Let's
0: do Traveler. Traveler.
5: All
3: right, we'll do All Traveler. Right. It's written by Mark Wade. How bad can it be?
5: Mark Wade has never disappointed me. Yet. <laughs> Yet. It's yeah. like you're challenging him. It really is. <laughs> this would be the book to challenge him on because we've we haven't been blown away by any of the Stanley created concepts. But all the previews I see in the back of other books for this title.
0: It, you know, I think there's something here. It's like Wayne is Peter in that episode of the Brady Bunch, where they're in Hawaii and he puts on the the, the, the necklace and he says, oh, Come on, t-
4: bad
2: luck. Come and get tiki- me. The tiki necklace? Yes,
4: exactly. oh I get man points for not knowing what the hell no you're talking shit. about. No <laughs> shit. How the fuck did two people on this podcast know that reference? Three. I, I, oh. Woo, three. <laughs> I was about to tie that to Spider Girl Wayne. <laughs> Damn it. A
2: classic, man. Classic Americana, Brady Bunch.
4: That's right. You know what that says? Paul
2: and Tim are not Americans.
4: No, it says we don't Not like ridiculous? classical things like TVs with two knobs and the Brady bunch. For Christ's
0: sake, guys are like you
5: know illegal aliens. aliens. Two knobs. Growing up, we only had one. The other knob fell off, so we had a pair of pliers that you'd use to turn the channel. Exactly. And you don't forget about the
2: your f- fancy two knobs. And don't forget about the aluminum foil on the rabbit ears to help reception.
0: And your oh, remote control course. was your little brother. Go change the channel. (laughs) I didn't have a little brother.
2: I was the remote. Same here. (laughs) When your dad's watching, I was the remote. So anyway, Aaron. Sir.
3: You have winners to announce of your Geeky Clean Soap giveaway. I do.
0: We uh, have, uh, for the last two weeks, been running the Geeky Clean giveaway on ideologyofmadness.com in conjunction with our good friends at geekyclean.com. And we are giving away five, that's it, five Geeky Clean Packages. How many?
1: Five,
0: if you what can believe the? it. What the shit? I no. know, it's crazy, right? So uh, our first winner is Laura Garabedian. What? Woo. Is that a real name? Yeah, apparently. She has a website and everything, lauragarabedian.com. Uh, I thought
4: that was an orange lantern.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's more <Mara>,
4: please. <laughs> our
0: next our next our next winners are 0 time Ashley V, Amanda C, and Biodork. So uh you'll be getting emails from me and uh, to coordinate uh, your prize delivery. If we don't have a response in 10 days from that email, we will g- gift your uh item to someone else, so please be sure and respond quickly. I don't
1: know if it's
4: <laughs> a bio I don't think he's a bio dork. Every bio time dork I've seen him, he's, he's like more like a, a bio. Yeah, he's more like a bio spaz. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Does he have a website?
0: Uh, he, no, couldn't tell. Oh,
4: wait, a, I don't know. You should, go, you should go register it right now, Paul.
0: biodork.com. <laughs> BioDork. <laughs> All right. Well. Wanna thank you guys for turning out for another week and Paul, thank you for another half-assed effort. Uh, <laughs> everybody else, good job, good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there we go.
4: Alright, demons are released for one more week.
0: Woo! All right
4: Bye, everybody.
0: Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by
4: Mark Andrew Pope. For more
0: information, visit MarkandrewPope.com.